Hey there, everyone. This is Dragoshin. In this particular episode, I talked to Cassandra Kern. Cassandra is a makeup artist based out of uh, Bombay, India, but she's originally from Canada. She wanted to combine her um, her interest and in, in passion for makeup with the interest and passion for traveling, and she found a way to do it. And I had the chance to kind of discover and dig a bit deeper in how she's actually able to, you know, be a makeup artist for Bollywood actresses and stars, and how she travels with their particular movies and so on and so forth so i hope you guys enjoy this particular podcast i had loads of fun recording it uh so without further ado cassandra kern okay guys welcome back to another episode of the labrador energy podcast the episode where i uh find people like actually if people with labrador energy find me yeah that's what and, and then we have a chat about it what exactly you know how, how they identify with their how they define their labrador energy what kind of cookie things they've been doing in life and today we have cassandra yes Cassandra found me again for Airbnb, and I know some information about her, but I'm going to I'm gonna let her explain a bit more, give me a bit more detail about her background. So, Cassandra, you're visiting Berlin from? Bombay, but originally from Toronto. Okay. Yeah, and you want me to just give my, like, um Yeah, a bit of background on, you, on yourself, yeah. Like. <laughs> so, I'm a makeup artist uh, from Toronto, and I kind of developed sort of the travel bug over time, and developed this kind of like wild dream that um, I'd like to live in a few different cities in the world, like interesting, artistic, um, creative cities. Uh, so I spent the last uh, three and a half years in Bombay. Um, and now I'm in Berlin because I'm exploring uh, moving here. Okay, awesome. Well, um, yeah. Hope to see you here soon. And how did you? So, how long have you lived your entire life in uh, Toronto? Or yeah, born and raised, educated, everything in Toronto. Uh, and then I guess when I found my footing in my career, I I uh, I think I have been one of those sort of lucky people that always kind of followed my heart, so to speak. Okay. And uh, so finding myself in a career in makeup was not like necessarily like the most clear cut path because I went to private school where most people were choosing careers in science mm -hmm. and uh, law and, or, you know, engineering, like this kind of thing. And so, but my parents were always really sort of like, you know, do you kind of thing. Very supportive, yeah? Yeah. Just like helped all of us find our own personal mm -hmm. selves. And uh, so I chose a career in makeup and, and mostly because I think my mom kind of acknowledged that that was something that w I had sort of like this like natural knack for. Okay. And so I think I owe it to her for sort of seeing that in me and she was like, why don't you do that? And so I was like, okay, I mean, yeah, why not make like dress up a career like you know that's what I did as a kid. Yeah, you know? yeah especially if you're good at it, right? I guess. I, I feel like love... For an, if you're working in a creative field, you have to definitely have love for it. Okay. Otherwise, you won't survive the like ups and downs. Yeah, of I, it. I'm sure you can. Yeah, yeah, for, I'm for sure real. you can agree. You have to have that sort of like, yeah, just like burning passion in a sense for it. So, uh, yeah, and then and then I traveled a bit, and I, I kind of just got this like crazy idea that I could combine my two greatest passions: travel, travel, and makeup. And that's how I found myself in Bombay. And, uh, yeah, one of the main reasons I ended up there, uh, out of all the places I could have chosen in the world, was because I was also almost fanatical about spirituality and just, like, okay. seeking. So, India, obviously, seems like a lot of, an uh, obvious choice. A lot of yoga, yeah. <laughs> yoga, philosophy, yeah. And yeah. did you do, did you do, were you, like, involved in makeup, like, the, what's the industry called? Is it the makeup industry or is it like more? Of it's sort of like makeup is oftentimes related to entertainment industry. Ent entertainment, perfect. And like, and obviously there's many sectors in entertainment, yeah. whether it be fashion, um, film, mm -hmm. television, mm -hmm. stage. Um, what else can be Most considered? Big backstage, like costumes and like props and stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't do props. Yeah, that right. would, those would be my colleagues. Right. But yeah, I would work those. Yeah, those would be my colleagues. And then the other, I guess there was another huge market, which would be like personal events, like people's special events, like uh, bridal and anytime someone's going somewhere Life special. Yeah. 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 And so I've done a little, I've pretty much at this point done a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've worked with brands doing advertising. I've worked 
in fashion. I've, and and now since I've been in Bombay for three and a half years, I did a, I've done a lot of celebrity in Bollywood. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like especially since I don't know that much about like Bollywood and like Bollywood celebrities. That's I'd love to hear a bit more about that. So like just just because before we go into that, so were you working within the industry in Canada, or did you just kind of like move into the industry when you went to, to India? Okay, so I graduated from. Like, I was very intentional about mm -hmm. becoming a makeup artist. So once I decided that I wanted to do this, I went to school. I chose the best school in the proximity of where I live, which is also, like, one of the best schools in um, in North America. Mm -hmm. So got lucky that it was in the same city I live in. Mm -hmm. And then it was, like, a pretty easy transition. The reason why that school exists in Toronto is because uh, there's a huge uh, film and television market. So I feel like I entered, I originally wanted to do mm -hmm. makeup because I had a love for fashion, right. but the more dominating uh, industry in Toronto is film. Mm -hmm. So we're often referred to in Toronto as Hollywood North. Okay. Because uh, a lot of foreign productions come to Toronto because we have a lot of tax credits there. So like Suicide Squad was shot in Toronto. Did not know that. That's uh, awesome. Pixels was shot in Toronto. Chicago, if you remember that yeah, 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 amazing the film. Yeah, yeah, the musical. The, no, this is the It, it was. The it was a musical, actually. Yeah. Uh, I didn't work on those, right, uh, right. but uh, Guillermo del Toro, he loves, tr I guess, Toronto and Toronto talent so much that he said okay. he shoots all of his stuff there now. He has a studio of his own. So we have a very amazing mm -hmm. film market there. And I thought, I guess I thought I would break into fashion maybe, but right. as I went through school, I discovered that I liked film as well. And then my first job out of school was an assisting job on a feature film. Mm -hmm. And I guess you could sort of say the rest is history. Like, I just kind of, like, dove right into film and television and uh, discovered something, like, I think what happens a lot in my life that I didn't know I loved. Perfect. And, uh, and yeah, so then uh, I worked for about six years, but in film and television in Toronto. Yeah. And then, and then I guess, like, uh, I started to get pulled, my, my, my travel... Uh, need started like, to like become like itching like chewing yeah, no, 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 no. yeah exactly so then I started traveling Southeast Asia and um, and then I started to have these like wild imaginations mm -hmm. that like oh what if I could also work in these parts of the world like I wonder how that could work and then uh, as you know it's, it's maybe serendipitous in a sense mm -hmm. that like I got this job. It was a Canadian co-production with a Lao production, like Laos. Okay. And we shot a film there, and it was pretty hectic and like crazy. In Laos. In Laos. So apparently, it was like the first feature film ever shot there. Like that's a very third world country. Yeah, that's aggressive. <laughs> yeah, they had, and so we had a lot of. I mean, from a production standpoint, I didn't. Ha I, you know, because they're my friends, mm -hmm. I heard a lot from them, but they had a lot of. Uh, uh, obstacles to overcome there like you know in third world countries you have to pay people off you have to take yeah. permissions from the government yeah, yeah, yeah. they're often Bribery, it's man. a buddhist it's a buddhist country so it's often very conservative so they don't know they really are afraid of what sort of influence you're going to have on the world around uh, on the like environment around right, them right, right. so the government and police you know i we they, the, the, the the production faced a lot of challenges but Personally, while I was there, I thought that was, like, literally the dream come true. Like, mm -hmm. I'm traveling the world. I'm a makeup artist. <laughs> this is amazing. And that film ended up actually being, um, winning some awards at some film festivals. It was, it was actually a success. It, you know, awesome, yeah. You know how, it was coming together. <laughs> yeah, do you, you know how, I mean, you're a comedian, so yeah. you know how when uh, something is extremely challenging, mm -hmm. but you know it's worth it? It yeah. was, like, that kind of thing. It paid off. There was yeah. a lot of payoff yeah, for yeah, all the yeah, hard yeah. work. And often that's how it is. In what we do. So anyway, that kind of solidified the dream. And then after that, you know, I traveled a little bit about, around Southeast Asia. I came home and I thought, okay, it's time to move. Like, it's time to like, just like do this now. And so I made a list. And on that list was London, Berlin, Barcelona, Bombay. And I only knew one person in Bombay. I didn't know anybody anywhere else. So that's probably why I chose that place. And... The craziest and maybe like most stupid thing is that <laughs> I had this list in front of me and I said, I'm going to just meditate on this. And I literally meditated and Bombay was the answer. Literally, divinely, I guess. Right, right, right. Like it just downloaded came to you. or something. Yeah. 
and I went, and yeah, that's how I ended up there. It's insane. And you've been there for like three and a half years. You three said, and a yeah. half years. It kind of sucked me in. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, I'm assuming like there's so much diversity because I, I haven't been to India yet, but I've been to like places like the Philippines and Indonesia and just the sheer, and Japan as well, the sheer amount of people, right? The, the density is yeah. palpable. Right. Like truly palpable. Yeah. Yeah, any desire to go to India? I, yeah, I do want to go there. Like, it's on my to-do list. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. Maybe this year or next year, I'll figure out how I can get there. Yeah, uh, well, if you're ever in Bombay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're still there, I will exchange Definitely contacts. Definitely hit me up, yeah. Uh, so tell me a bit more. Like, you got a job in Bombay. You know, basically, just to restate the fact that, you know, one thing that I, I think is important to, to kind of highlight here is that for both, for both myself and in your, your situation, there was a lot of uh, intentionality, right? Yeah, you wanted to do to be in the makeup industry, you wanted to be a makeup artist. You know, I wanted to become a comedian, so I like basically pushed aside something. I did like law and like university and stuff. So yeah, moved away from traditional career path to something yes. where you wanted to be intentionally, right? Yes. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of work, but then somehow things come together, right? Yeah, I would say intentionality, but then a lot of intuition. Like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of ideas that come to you that you don't know why mm -hmm. or even how, and mm -hmm. you're just like it's a hunch in a sense and you just kind of go with it mm -hmm. and you almost just have to trust that everything's going to be all right and that everything's going to make sense. So when I, so when I first arrived in Bombay, I kind of had this very like lackadaisy attitude towards it. I didn't research much mm -hmm. about what it was going to be like, but then again, if you ever go there, you'll also realize that there's not a lot of planning you can do ahead no of time. Of research can... It's the kind, yeah, it can prepare you for it. Yeah. Once you land up there, it's the kind of place that like only when you're there do things just start to kind of like you almost like it's like a river and it's moving really fast and you have to jump in. It's not something you can communicate with on from the outside world very much. So any which way, whether I had planned much or not, I think I would have just ended up having a similar experience. Because it 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 has a it just operates as it does. You don't have much control over it. You basically you have to just go with the flow more than any other place in the world right. that I've ever experienced. So so let's kind of how did you have a difficult time finding accommodation there? Like yeah. how did you find friends? There's so many. I mean, I'm assuming everybody speaks English. I'm which... kind of, yeah, everybody spoke English. I right. mean, it's an English colonized yeah. place. Uh, I think they were under the rule of the English for like 300 years yeah, or something yeah. crazy like that. So. In terms of, like, language, it's never really been an issue, mm -hmm. like, uh, and luckily for me, like, Uber mm -hmm. <laughs> exists, right? and so, like, getting around probably would have posed a huge challenge any other time in history, mm -hmm. except for now, so that was also fine. So, I basically, uh, it landed up there, I stayed in an Airbnb, and Bombay is the kind of place where... Even if you don't work in Bollywood, you or the fashion industry or the entertainment industry, you 100% know at least five people that do because right. because it is the land of, of film in 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 India and and Bollywood is the biggest film industry in the world. Yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't know about it because the, the everybody forgets how big India is, right? Well, I think we're all just tend to be very Hollywood centric. Mm. Uh, even if you live in Europe, even if you live in like foreign markets, like I agree, even, you, even you, comedy, right? Like it's a lot more of the comedians we get it from North America. Even like like think about someone like Hassan Minaj, yes. right? He's he's Indian descent, mm -hmm. but he's made famous in and he grew up and was raised in anyway. But he does make connections to the right. outside world. Right, right. Anyway, point is the whole world is pretty much Hollywood centered when it comes to cinema, mm -hmm. unless you are in the film industry and you're like making films yourselves and you're touring them around different festivals so but people forget that mm -hmm. like it, i guess based on sheer po population mm -hmm. bollywood is by far the biggest industry in the world yeah. so i it was one of those like kind of beautiful like unintentional things that like i ended up in a place that was going to also show me the world in another sense too because right, right, right. once you get hooked up with productions there and celebrities they travel because their audience is everywhere. Mm. Indians have immigrated all over the world. It's it's such an at times such a nasty hard place to live mm -hmm. that Indians have now immigrated all over the world. Completely agree. Tons of Indians in Canada. I mean, it, it's not even worth naming all the countries that they live. They're there. They have immigrated everywhere. Right. So, India, uh, and and their fan bases are like the most enthu people right, 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 you can right. imagine like they're like 
I, I, I remember when I first got there, maybe it was like an ignorant sort of way to see it, but I kind of thought like, oh my God, the way they worship God is the way that, or gods, mm-hmm. plural, right. is the way they worship celebrities. Like they idolize them. Right, right, You know? So, yeah, I'm very grateful that the, that the celebrities that I've worked with, you know, I've, I've gone to some really nice places in the world with so, them. So do you travel with them? Yeah, it's also going to say like... It's almost it's like Entourage, if you can imagine. Yeah. Like Indian Entourage. Correct. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So they basically will travel with their manager, their hair and makeup, which is sometimes one person and sometimes two people, mm-hmm. sometimes more if they're really big. So like, sometimes I do hair and makeup, but sometimes I'll just get hired for hair or just get hired for makeup in case they want two separate people. And then I always have an assistant. Right, 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 right. And they, the other person might also have an assistant. So th- these celebrities often are traveling around with like three to five people with them. Uh, any names that you can mention? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Probably I wouldn't know them. But maybe you, you might not, but yeah, it depends where your listeners are right. from. If they have, if they like Bollywood. Uh, I've worked with like Isha Gupta, Aditi Rao Hyderi. I've most recently worked with um, um, Jacqueline Fernandez, which, you know, she would probably want be one of the more notable ones, mm-hmm. and a few others. Yeah, yeah, Topsy Panu and Shivani Dandeker, Monica Dobra. So, is it mostly, pardon my ignorance, mostly female uh, actresses, or? Yeah, I would say in terms of being like a makeup artist. Right. Yeah, because I don't know exactly. Ma- male makeup artists or or, or male actors do mm-hmm. require makeup as well. Right. But they might not take an international artist because the need is just not so much. Not like so much, yeah. it's a little less maybe expertise right. with a male. I mean, right. I don't know if I'm if I'm even being ignorant saying that, but like, right. uh, yeah, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> okay, and then where, where do you got you, you usually travel within India, outside India, all so? over India and outside of India? Yeah, like I've been to Oman, I've been to France, working on a film there. I've been to Malaysia. Where else have I been? All over India for sure. I've had like, you know, sometimes you get inquiries that also don't come through. Like, like recently something that didn't, that came to me, but didn't work out was Nepal. Another one was Dubai. Um, yeah. So I've been in a few places. Okay. That's pretty awesome. And like you said, it's the dream. You, you get to do what you, what you like, what you love. And then you also get to travel because you're like accompanying these massive production kind of teams and going to the place. Yeah. It's been really awesome. Yeah. Uh, What are the hours like, for example, do you have to be on set when they're filming or is it more? Of course. How how does it, can you give me a bit more detail there? Like, uh, well, the hours are universally similar, like in most countries in the world. So it's usually, it depends on what it is, honestly. So if you're talking about film, television, and advertising, like television commercials, it would probably be a minimum of 12 hours Mm -hmm. from start to finish, but they're notorious for being like up to 18, 20 hours. Right. Yeah. Depending on how long the production is. Yeah. Yeah. But like, let's just say I'm hired for a job to do a a, a celebrity's makeup for an appearance. Mm -hmm. That's like a four hour job. Right. You know, like I show up, do their hair and makeup and leave. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I attend the event with them for touch-ups. So, I mean, that can end up also being like eight hours. But, uh, yeah, it can actually range. I mean, if you're doing bridal, that can also be like three hours and you're out. You know? So, it's different all the time, which actually makes it really exciting. Right. Yeah. So, th- that's pretty cool because you know, you don't know exactly what the set hours are, what's going to happen. Yeah. All right. So, like, with regards to interacting with these, like, high-profile kind of... Yeah. Uh, is, is there a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of sometimes talk about how some some artists tend to be a bit more, you know, just like stuck up and like a bit aggressive. Like with you're the people talking are... about this like sort of diva. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. have any diva situations? A little bit of, of drama. You wanna... Oh my God. Like, <laughs> the drama. I don't know if it's like appropriate I, for you me don't need, to you don't share. Need, you don't need the drama. But yes, it does. Definitely does happen. I mean, if I can offer some insight uh, and from a compassionate, empathetic place, being on that, you know, being in those rooms, I feel like it is an incredibly difficult thing to be in the public eye all the time. And if I ever had to be in that position, I might be just as nervous and neurotic and scared <laughs> as they are. So I feel like the uh, I try to bring some compassion and empathy into those spaces as long as I'm not being disrespected. Right. 
it's just part of the job. Like you have to be someone who understands people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge part of what I do and what all makeup artists and stylists and, mm-hmm. and photographers mm-hmm. and people who kind of work with celebrities have to do. So, for example, how do you decide what uh, what kind of makeup you're gonna put on somebody? Do you have a conversation with them to understand yeah. exactly the vibe they're going for? Because I'm assuming there's like some, like you said, there's a consulting part to it. I'm assuming huge. That's a huge part of it. Mm. If you don't get that part right, you will surely fuck it up. Mm. Excuse my French, but you will definitely screw that part up. So that has actually been probably the biggest learning curve. Mm-hmm. You have to put your ego aside. What you think might look good. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on who you're working with. Sometimes you realize that, you, and that's where the people reading comes into play. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, so like if they're a, a, a um, public figure, mm-hmm. luckily again, we live in a world of Instagram, you go on their page and you look at the kind of things that they've done. How experimental have they been? Mm-hmm. So if they're not, then you know what kind of range you have to stay within. But I also, I believe that there's a responsibility to what I do. It's not about me most of the time, what I want to do for somebody or what my creative expression might be. That is left for editorial Mm -hmm. and even film. Mm -hmm. But when you're working with a celebrity who has a personality, who has an image to maintain, your job is to actually serve them. Mm -hmm. So the process is, yeah, do some research, see how much experimentation they've done, how far they've taken things. And then you kind of know your boundaries of like how far maybe you can push them. But if you're working with them for the first time, you definitely consult. And you have to just know how to ask the right questions. Because sometimes when someone says, I love neutral colors, not everybody understands neutral the same right. way you do. Right, right, so neutral to me might be like black, brown, taupe, mm-hmm. beige, not red. Not purple, you know, but someone's idea of neutral. So what I've gotten into the habit of doing is to, is using pictures. So I'll be, someone will say, I want a low bun. Mm -hmm. I'll pull up many low buns. Do you want a messy low bun? Do you want a tight low bun? So I use visuals because that's the clearest way of communicating. And getting lost in translation. Yeah. So like, you know, someone will also say they like dewy skin and then you do a really nice dewy you know, shiny kind of like highlights and stuff. And then they are just like this. I look oily. And you're like, well, this is dewy. According to me, mm-hmm. you might actually like Matt. Right, right, right. <laughs> like I, I obviously so, have no idea what the difference is. <laughs> yeah, but all, but that's the thing. It's so fun to listen to though. Yeah, so that's the thing. So like, you, you know, you, yeah, you just have to use visuals, I think mm-hmm. is the best tool sometimes and ask as many questions as possible and the more experience I gain the more I hand them the mirror and I say just so you know uh this is what I'm doing right now uh, are you are, are you happy with where we're at somewhere in the middle and they'll be like yes no you know so you you actually make them a part of the decision making mm, process. process yeah because yeah. the worst thing would be is like you finish it you set it and then it's really hard to like maybe take me sometimes right. so I kind of just like slowly build mm-hmm. that's kind of my way of going about it okay yeah have there been any particular like what was the highlight in terms of like positive uh outcome of what you've done and like maybe like highlight that there's negative like fiasco or something it doesn't really um okay there's kind of like many on both sides which maybe is not the most I mean, it's not the best answer for you you obviously want something a little more clear but okay uh the best would be honestly speaking Mm -hmm. is just having someone who is a clear communicator but also you have a good relationship with so like you're also like you know uh, it's almost like a co-production like Mm -hmm. between you and that person and if something goes wrong they don't get upset but they have a great way of like just like communicating that to you um the best is when you just kind of have like a like an energy with that person and, and you're just on the same page about everything, which is not something you can predict. It's just something that kind of happens. Like, mm. you know, so chemistry is really huge. So what is always a highlight is when I meet an artist who I like genuinely connect with mm-hmm. and, and yeah, find it easy to just like find the, the, the end point together, you know, collaboratively. And on the other side is when you get someone who's, I would say, like, scared. 
who just doesn't know how to tell you what they need. Right. Like my the highlight is always when you meet someone who knows what they want. Right. Confused people are always going to be an issue. Right. Yeah. Confused creatives, people who say I want this and I want that and both those ideas are like on different ends of the spectrum right. and it's it, you'll never be able to give them that. Right. So yeah. So co them coming with you some degree of certainty just moves the process along. As I think this yeah. is generally good advice for life. Yeah. Uh, have some degree of certainty and things will kind of start moving in that direction. Right? Yeah. So I think that that actually been the highlight of my career is I've met so many people who have taught me how to like live life sort of like, right, like be, artfully yeah, and be very like uh purposeful about the direction you want to go focus in. Mm -hmm. is a com is like the most precious commodity i believe in our mm -hmm. in our day and age like we just have so many distractions now mm -hmm. it's so hard to find people with focus right I everybody wants it all everybody wants it all and it's it, it, it yeah doesn't uh, work. and especially in this like kind of like low attention span kind of generation with the snapchats of the world or like yeah. instagram uh i wanted to so basically uh I am aware that, for example, like the like makeup tutorials on YouTube, it's massive. It's like it's a huge. massive, it's yeah, huge. And a lot yeah, of, uh, you know, I've only, especially as a guy, I've only come across this like in the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for yourself, like, do you have that kind of YouTube channel, Instagram thing you're kind of working on at the moment, or? Yeah, I'm definitely okay. So I think my uh, personal mm -hmm. sort of like ambitions towards uh, having that kind of thing is that I want it, mm -hmm. uh, but I know that it requires consistency. I know that it requires a lot of work mm -hmm. and also like financial investments. So I'm kind of just like wrapping my head around. And I also, again, back to the focus thing. Yeah. You have to know who you are. You cannot ever be somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I, even though I admire many people and the styles in which they express themselves mm -hmm. through their YouTube channels and, and, and whatever it might be, I know that I'm never going to be those people. Mm -hmm. I have to find my own voice. So that's kind of the stage that I'm in is finding who I am and what I want to express right. through that. And then I guess like budgeting mm -hmm. and finding people who can help me build it and all of that. So, and, and, a and like a unique style, I guess, right, right, right. Uh, because I don't really necessarily just want to do that like very straightforward white background here are the makeup techniques I think maybe I have a different style to offer so but I I, def I definitely do want to do it and I think that yeah I could I want to basically what I want to offer people is um things that could free them from spending too much time in front of the vanity okay awesome yeah and but fine because like for me the makeup that I'm wearing right now is I think as much as I would almost ever want to wear without, and you know, there are times where I feel like, oh, like there's this great event and I have this cool outfit and, you know, I get a little more creative, but on a daily basis, my makeup doesn't take me more than like four to six minutes. Okay. And I think that's really valuable. Like people, there's just so much other ways you can bring like beauty and into your life mm -hmm. and like meditating, reading, listening to a podcast, listening to music, spending time in deep conversation with friends. Those are beautiful ways to spend your time. And I think that you don't have to spend too much time in front of the mirror. I think that's awesome advice, especially considering how, let's say, I, I don't know exactly how much does, let's say, uh, an average girl takes to kind of put on makeup, but I'm assuming from what I've seen on the streets that it seems like it's quite, uh, quite a time-consuming kind of endeavor, right? Well, it depends. Like, I mean, the room that we're sitting in, if you just look outside, I would say that these women probably haven't styled their hair or put any makeup on. I mean, this is more of a tech kind of place. So there are a lot of them are like more... So, less. but that's the thing. You can't generalize, right? Yeah, yeah, I can't. So I think everybody is interested in makeup right. and beauty to some right. degree. But it's, I would love to help people find the right Balance. routine for right, them. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, that is cool. personalized. So, like, maybe people feel like their skin is great and they don't need any help with their skin, but they just want slight enhancement. I would suggest, like, a more French approach then. Great skincare, mascara, and some great color on your lip. Don't put anything on your skin. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no reason why you have to log on to Instagram and see all those crazy people piling on, like, layers and layers of makeup and do that. Mm -hmm. So, 
yeah, I, I guess it. I, I, I'm interested in personalizing the experience. Like, there's no one way to live, and there's no one way to do makeup mm-hmm. for sure. I like, I like this to be a really intuitive process for I, people. I think that's good kind of advice, generally, especially people that uh, are in that process of finding themselves. Because I, I, at least you know, basically in Romania, yeah, uh, a lot of people do use makeup as a counterbalance for you know personality. I guess. Yeah. You know, they kind of overcompensate. Because they feel that that's what is required of them in the culture, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess people are following trends. They're also following the things that their friends are doing. Mm-hmm. They're also following the f- things that their mom told them to do. And I think ultimately what all humans have in common is that we all want to be like loved yeah. and accepted by right, other right. people, especially the people closest to us. And I think it's just one of the things that people do to alter themselves to try to get that love and connection from the outside world. So what I'm the most interested in is people just finding themselves mm-hmm. and through beauty, I mean, what, what, and through all ways of life, but whatever I can offer them, I just, I want people to just use it as a tool, like a joyful tool and not something to just like, I just don't, I feel like you should never think you should, you're making yourself beautiful, <laughs> but like makeup is an adornment process. Right. It's like how you appreciate yourself and how you empower yourself, not how you change yourself. Okay. I think that's a very valuable kind of distinction to make, right? Yeah. And on that kind of note in terms of like, again, kind of, uh, that path of like, you know, contrasting like outwardly beauty with inner beauty like, tell me a bit more about, like, the, the spiritual journey of uh, India and Bombay. You've, uh, you know, obviously you wanted to go there because of the spiritual calling. Yeah. And how's that kind of, uh, kind of shaping up? So, what I found really um, confusing at first, well, because Bombay is a ball, it's an entertainment-centric mm-hmm. city. So, it may have been foolish and naive of me at first to believe that that's where I was going to find spirituality. But then, over the course of three and a half years, you start... If you're real, I, I, I maybe this is like not the right way to say it, but I'll just say whatever. If you, if you're real, a real seeker, you'll also realize that every experience is spiritual, (laughs) even the bad ones. Like, uh, you can't have the stars without a dark sky. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's what has been the most, the biggest learning um, is that everything is spiritual. Every interaction you have with some with another human being is a spiritual experience. And um, so it's interesting that I was looking for sort of like, I guess, satsang, spiritual community, yoga, chanting, and all of this in Bombay. I was never going to find it there. And then I, I was even shocked that like two years in, I had not even visited some of those sort of like pilgrim spots, like, you know, like Rishikesh or... or um, Amritsar, Haridwar, or like, you know, some of those sort of like, uh, yeah, like pilgrimage spots where people from all over the world go to find spirituality and like a guru or something like that. Um, So I think what I experienced when I went there was, it's probably not quite this, but like, you know, have you ever heard of this term, like the darkness of the soul? Like people reach these it's in this area people talk about this idea of like you kind of go through the darkness of the soul you kind of go through these like really hard experiences Mm -hmm. that condition you to still have faith or believe in yourself more or realize your power or realize your connection to everything around you plants animals and people uh even innate inanimate objects so spiritually i think that i expected to find peace love and harmony within myself through more traditional channels like maybe a guru or a yoga teacher or whatever but I have to say that going through really difficult experiences and you know breaking up with friends or hard professional experiences have been the best teachers just experiencing life Mm, and being alone also like um, being on your own in a, such a city, um, uh, not being with your family, uh, you don't retreat into that safe zone as much. You have, you, you have to face it right. because you're there. So, and then also kind of like observing the Indian people around you. There's a harmony among all these differences. Mm-hmm. 
because you have like extreme wealth mm-hmm. and you have extreme poverty and then you have extreme differences in 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 religious beliefs and everybody kind of lives in harmony and and because nothing is very organized mm-hmm. everybody kind of lives in a pres- in the present moment in a sense like mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen an hour from now as much as you try to plan your plan might is probably not even going to happen right so you have to kind of really go with the flow mm-hmm. and i think what a lot of spiritual um uh mediums try to teach is that living in the present moment is the most spiritual thing you can do is just to like realize that the only thing that's real right now is like for instance you and me having a conversation yeah yeah nothing else is real right yeah. now except for this um i i once heard this saying about how i think it was going to i just do a lot of podcasts uh most of it's like entrepreneurs or like different kind of like uh you know artists and they were saying about how you know most of us live either in um in complete fear of the future or in constant uh, recollection or joy of the past yeah and then you don't live in the holding present. on exactly yeah, yeah yeah so the idea is like how do you kind of detach from like you know this again living in fear of the future what's going to happen what's going to happen and be like oh my god this was such a great moment i had in the past correct and it's kind of just living in the present so what we deal with a lot right now and i guess it's just human nature is that we have this polarity of like depression and anxiety mm-hmm. anxiety is what you describe about the future you're anxious about what how things are going to turn out and then the depression comes in holding on to the way things once were or even holding on to bad experiences and that like you know letting them affect how you feel about yourself and how you feel about the world and yeah i guess like it's sort of like this fine balance of just having mm-hmm. faith um and i think as we kind of struggle towards that it's you know it's an ongoing journey every day right Mm. Um, uh, I think I've gotten a lot better at it in the past year because I kept uh, living in this situation. I was like, what if, you know, like I look back 20 years from now, I'm like, what if I could have done comedy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of like one of the biggest, I just like just kind of take a leap of faith because then the idea is I don't want to live with regrets, right? Yeah. Uh, so then I started doing it and things go well. So yay for me. <laughs> yeah, yay for you. Congratulations. Uh, I actually got a little bit of goosebumps because they also have a saying, whoever mm-hmm. they are, that um, you get wings once you jump. Hmm. You, uh, you don't have them when you're on the ground or like there's another one that's like ships are meant for sailing. They're not meant to stay at shore. Right. Like if you have the talents, you have to test them. You have to push your boundaries. Right. And and one thing that I kind of want to talk about that, because you did mention about moving to Bombay, you know, talk, spoke about, did you move there with anyone else or just by yourself? By myself. And yeah. I did something similar when I moved to a different country, like Estonia or like uh, yeah. Singapore. Yeah. Uh, and again, because a lot of people do kind of, you know, they want to experience life in different countries. But yeah. then again, you know, what if my family's not there? What if my partner's not there? Or yeah. something of the sorts, right? So a lot of times they're kind of uh, reluctant to take the, you know, the, the, the leap of faith to go into those kind of areas. Yeah. Uh, and also there's also cultural barriers. So maybe you can talk a bit about how did you kind of deal with that uh, situation where you, you know, was this your first time going to India? Yeah. No, no, it was my second time. The first right. time I actually took, took, took a trip with my mom. But, you know, vacation is a very different, different thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, how, how can you, like, go for some of the cultural differences or cultural barriers that you had when you first moved there, especially, like, you know, being by yourself and, and, and such? Well, first of all, I think something you said was kind of interesting, which is that a lot of people think about how, what am I going to do without my family and all the things that I'm used to? I was didn't think about that at all I was so excited about just doing something different and experiencing something new it wasn't until I was like months in that I was like oh my god I didn't realize how dependent I was on the people that I love and scheduling and like efficient practices of the west like I didn't realize how attached I was to that I still kind of am three and a half years in I still sometimes can't get over how inefficient it is there. Mm -hmm. So, but I I am also adaptable. It's like, I'm, you know, everybody's very dualistic and I am incredibly dualistic. Like I completely acknowledge how much I appreciate efficiency, organization, planning, knowing, but I also am very spontaneous, which is the only reason why I moved there. So cultural differences, um... 
Oh, there's so many. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let me give you a bit of a direction. So, for example, Please one, help uh, me. <laughs> one of the things that I've noticed, for example, yeah. uh, living in also in, in Tokyo and in Singapore, is that okay. especially when you go there as a you know foreigner expat, you kind of end up spending a lot of time in the expat communities, right? So sometimes you end up being stuck in a bit of an expat bubble. I didn't. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I definitely ended up finding... Actually... No, no, I did, I did a little bit, but I was also... Actually, no, I, I did. I did, I did, I did. I ended up finding people from Toronto, weirdly enough. That's that's how, what happened. So like, yeah. I, I used to do that, for example, in Japan. I, I hung out a lot with, like, the, you know, basically the expat community. A lot of English speakers that yeah. don't speak Japanese there. So you kind of tend to kind of hang out together and yeah. you know, just be in your little bubble inside the country. But when I went to Singapore, because I started doing comedy there, I kind of, you know, a lot of the people in the comedy scene were locals. So then you had like something in common. So for me, what helped me was like find the passion that you have in common with the local people and then they'll kind of introduce you to different aspects of the life there. So for example, you know, when we were doing comedy, there's a couple of people from Singapore, there were Singaporeans, and then you know, they help you uh, tell you a bit more about their culture. You kind of hang around for drinks with them and they, you know, tell you about all the good places, the, the, the local places to eat and that all that kind of stuff. So like for me, the thing that kind of helped me at least in the, in the in the second country that I lived in, uh, helped me in- integrate a bit more was just finding a common passion with the people of the country. Mm. So then the situation was basically comedy. So I feel like it's definitely not similar because in Bombay, there's there's a a, a huge love and acceptance for ex- the expat community. In fact, people are locals are really enthusiastic about that. Those groups are one and the same. Mm-hmm. If I can say, mm-hmm. expats and local people live in harmony mm-hmm. completely, mm-hmm. and a lot of the people that I have hung out with because I live in a part of Bombay that is all creative freelancers, right. whether they're in music or fashion or film or whatever else it might be, um, it's a very open and accepting community. So, uh, but there still are cultural differences. But the thing is, what I noticed there is that I guess that was kind of the difference is that people were almost your friend immediately, like mm-hmm. in, in a sense that like I I have this weird sort of observe observation that I've mentioned to some of my local friends there. Like right now I have a gray mix between expat friends and local friends, but my best friends there are local for right, sure. Right. Born and raised. Right. But I had made this hilarious uh, observation that a few local friends agreed with that um, people don't say hi or bye, really. Okay. Like, you know, when you meet someone, you be, you'll shake their hand and say, hi, I'm this person. And that's a very, like, sort of formal thing that we do. When you meet someone for the first time, they kind of just get to the point. They just start talking. It, and, it, and to me, if I may romanticize that a bit, it kind of feels like... Um, people don't make the assumption that we don't know each other and we're not going to get along. There's okay. The formalities don't matter. Right. And sometimes when I apologize for being late or if I apologize for things not going the way I intended them to maybe go, I they'll just be like, can you please stop being so formal? There's like a huge acceptance for just like things kind of being the way they are, however they are. And right. I think that's kind of unique and amazing there. But culturally... I mean, you have, like I said, you have a huge disparity between rich and poor. So I, all the people that, who are locals there that I are friends with are—we—they're uh, the same in a sense. We have a lot of things in common, but we also have maids in our houses who clean right, our houses, right. who cook for us. And so the difference is, is more just like living in harmony with people who definitely don't think like you. Right. So let's just say, let's just take sexuality for for instance, like. Uh, women in Germany where we are right now I'm noticing don't really wear bras right and that's normal there you might not want to do that not necessarily for your own safety because mm-hmm. Bombay is a pretty safe place more so not to disrespect the pe- the fact that maybe local people are, are a little bit scared of sexuality right. and they just don't know how to interpret it and they're not educated properly right. and it might actually disrupt their way of life. So let's just say something like that. It's more just being sensitive to what the differences are and how to like navigate and respect each other. And yeah, I guess that's one thing. And uh, time mm-hmm. is loose. It's like a loose ideal there. So like, like let's just say we're going to meet at five. Right. You can assume that you might just end up meeting at like 
5.30, maybe even 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock, <laughs> so that's pretty loose. Yeah, it's pretty loose. Like, Nobody's scheduled like that. I mean, I've, I've, been on, uh, I've been on set where I've waited two hours for a photographer right. more than once or twice or three times, you know? Like, I've, that's happened. And the whole kind of production gets stalled because the photographer doesn't... It gets stalled, but nobody stresses. Right. It's not like anybody's mad and pointing fingers. Right. It's just like, I guess things go wrong all the time, but there's a huge tolerance for, mm. for it. So... I think that's cool. I think we can actually adopt that a little bit because, like, good luck with that in Germany. <laughs> no, no, I'm 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 okay with following rules anywhere yeah, yeah. I go. But I think that uh, life can be unpredictable, right, 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 anywhere in the world, and just flexibility is important. No, I yeah. I I agree. I think it's all because the thing is, if you get stuck into a particular mindset of like doing things over and over the same way, then Correct. you kind of jump at the routine, and before you notice, it's like twenty years past. And you just never have learned anything. And, and that's the thing that I've noticed in Japan. Like, you know, people were kind of stuck in a particular routine and then just time was flying by and nobody was growing, nobody was learning. Yeah. And that's that's kind of fine, I guess, but as far as some people are concerned because they're, yeah. they're happy with that. But I guess when you have like a bit more of a, I don't know, maybe this is where the whole kind of Labrador energy thing comes in. When you have like a bit of restless, restlessness, is that, yeah. is that the word? Yeah, for sure. And when you kind of like, you know, you want to do different stuff and you want to go and pull in different directions, but everyone around you is kind of like, uh, but it's, why it's wrong. So then you kind of like, you just have to go and do your thing. So right? if I may talk to your listeners a bit, anyone who relates to the Labrador energy, Bombay is a great place to be because it's a very entrepreneurial place. I mean, I'm a makeup artist, but I've also directed there. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, it, it's not a place that really pigeonholes you. It, it's a place that if people recognize that you might have a hidden talent, they might recognize that in you and they might give you a chance. Whereas I think other places in the world, like if you're a director, mm -hmm. no one's ever going to think you could be a stylist. Or right. vice versa, right, right, right? right? So there's no pigeonholing there. Like people just try all kinds of things. So if you have Labrador energy, if you can't sit still, I would actually offer Bombay as an amazing place to be because you can also be, all, a lot of your interests might be satisfied from music to entertainment too. Right. Easy to jump in and out of different industries then as long as, yeah. long as you can prove you can deliver, right? Yeah. And also like the people that I work with, I also play basketball with and play soccer with and and see each other at this event that I maybe didn't think I would see them at. Like, it's a very connected place because right. everybody has that kind of Labrador energy in Bombay. So everybody's just like all over the place, kind of. So kind like, of. But yeah. it, it, it is a kind of like an organized chaos in, in a sense, right? Yeah, I guess that's a good way to uh, I, try to explain so it. One, but, more, one more kind of question to yeah. ask you. So, for example, like uh, when it comes to getting opportunities there and networking, like uh, I, the reason why I'm asking that is because I have a friend in L.A., and basically, you know, he was talking about the NLA, it's all about like, you know, human interaction, you have to be out at night and you have to be mingling with people all the time. Like, is that similar situation there? Or like, do you get recommendations for your roles or jobs or opportunities? Or how much of the human connection comes into play there? I think that's a really good question, first of all, because I'm a little resistant to meeting people in nightlife. Mm -hmm. I don't honestly feel like anybody that I've met on a bar, mm -hmm. unless it was specifically a networking event, I've actually been hired by right. all of my networking professionally has come from professional recommendation or whether they saw my work on Instagram or whether they saw my work with a celebrity or whether they saw my credit in a magazine. Mm -hmm. I don't anywhere in the world. I've, I mean, I haven't networked so much here so much, but even in Toronto, I actually started as a film makeup artist, started avoiding socializing especially at night mm -hmm. with my co-workers mm -hmm. because I feel like alcohol is a weird thing to mix into professionalism right so you you draw like a clear divide between like your social and professional life yeah unless you already work together and then you're deepening the connection mm -hmm. by socializing together that's a different thing but I wouldn't necessarily I would probably not put um, socializing before working together that's personal mm -hmm. I actually feel like other people are successful the other way around it not necessarily for me to be completely honest right. and you have to like navigate those situations 
Because you just don't want your people you work with to know too much about you. I, I feel I, I completely understand that and I try to keep my worlds like apart. Yeah. But I've seen some people do very well with They're, like mingling socially and again, again, it's like... I completely agree with you, but I have not cracked it. Maybe it's just my personal yeah, style and approach. I, I, I appreciate some degree of privacy. I agree. Yeah, uh, but... Because then um, it just gets sticky and messy and like... And I, yeah, I just want to be judged on my my my... And I mean, again, one of the things that my friend was telling me, he's, he directs like uh, Latin music videos in LA. Yeah. Uh, so he hangs out. He did like a couple of things with like Don Omar and like Akon and stuff. Because cool. we went to like visit and he was just telling me about the scene there. And uh, sometimes, yeah, a bit of, a bit of uh, you know, no publicity is bad publicity, you would say, right? Uh, a bit of, yeah. A bit of drama. In LA, especially, I feel yeah, like, yeah. I mean, some of the most famous sort of influencers, let's just not name them, mm-hmm. have become famous because of bad quote-unquote bad publicity yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so so that uh, his angle was like you know it might get your name out there and then people kind of wonder who's everybody loves person. a scandal in a yeah sense. a little bit of drama mm-hmm. yeah yeah i've heard of similar sort of like scandal like elevating someone's name yeah. even in bombay and it and it made them more successful yeah. but i don't know i don't know i've not i guess it. it's about like does it does it gel with your personality and your I goals, think there's right? a fine balance actually yeah. like i know people who have really navigated those spaces really gracefully and i applaud them but i haven't quite got that right yet. so i just love my work and i just want to do my work yeah it's good good way to go yeah. about it. spread with caution for anybody that uh, is thinking of you know using drama to raise their profile yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we're kind of running out of time at the moment. Okay. Uh, we can because we wanted to end it by uh, four thirty, yeah. right? But I think we talked about a lot of yeah, this stuff. Yeah, I think we covered quite a lot yeah. of this stuff. Yeah, good, good job. Well thanks. Done. No, thank you. You navigated that nicely. So thanks okay. a lot for coming out. This was very kind of you know spontaneous because you just yeah. kind of reached out this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm really happy to have had a chance to kind of get a bit of insight into a world that I had no idea of. Right, and yeah. I'm happy that. Uh, it worked out so well for you. Yeah, yeah, and it did. Yeah, I have to say, Thanks. it's like, and again, you managed to travel India with like Indian artists and like over the world. It's crazy. It's been amazing, and thank you for accommodating my last minute, very Bombay style of like. That's why you gotta you gotta <laughs> roll with the energy, right? You yeah. Gotta roll with a lot of their energy. Uh, so, is there anywhere else for like for some of my uh, listeners to find you? Where can they find you on Instagram? Or let me I'll write that down and put it in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, I'll mention it here as well yeah. on Instagram, which I think is the best way to find me. Honestly, yeah. like I've kind of consolidated. I'm not the best tweeter, mm-hmm. but Instagram is in her chair. In her chair, yeah. And yeah, I actually am in the very soon, hopefully, starting a podcast myself about self love and like I guess some of the stuff we talked about about beauty, like you know, I'll be sharing. Perfect. Some opinions about that, and it'll be called the In Her Chair podcast. So very simple. Perfect, and I think, like I said, there's there's a there's an audience wherever wherever you can, right? So this is this is yourself, yeah. That's me. Okay, yeah, found you. Yeah, I think as long as you know, the idea is as long as you kind of the things that you say. That's what I'm trying to focus at the moment as well, like you know, adding value, right? Yeah. And I hope you know the experience, your experience from Bombay and the lessons you've learned, yeah. kind of add value to people yeah. that you know are kind of like somewhere on the edge and thinking like, should I do this? Should I not do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I follow the lab with their energy? <laughs> I just would encourage people to follow their hearts yeah that's what i did and and like it's not been easy i'll never ever say that it's been a breeze i'll never i'm not gonna lie about that but it's it's worth it yeah Yeah. same on this side so uh, i guess with that we can wrap it up thanks a lot for being on the podcast and best of luck and uh, hopefully see you in bombay soon yeah yeah thanks for having me Hey, thanks a lot for taking the time to listen to this episode. Uh, If you'd like to keep up to date with some of the uh, new podcasts or shows that I'm doing, you can sign up to my mailing list at dragushcomedy.com. You can also find me on Instagram at dragushcomedy. Thanks a lot once again for tuning in and catch you guys on the next podcast.